pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello again, everybody. I'm Scott Beatty with Lauren Tate, and you have Sports Talk here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Two-hour program devoted to the Illini and beyond going till 6 o'clock. Lauren Tate is here with me in studio for the first hour. Coming up, Scott Docterman from The Athletic. He has been on top of all the potential outcomes of this media deal for the Big Ten and also covers the Iowa Hawkeyes. So we'll continue our tour around the Big Ten, looking at upcoming opponents for Illinois football. And some audio to bring you from said Illinois football. Next hour, Evans in. We'll talk Cardinal baseball with Katie Wu from The Athletic. And Colin Likas talks some prep sports. Got a headline today. You just heard it in the news update. No football for Urbana High School this year. Again. For the second straight year. So Again. So Central uh, High School in Champaign wanting to host that Saturday game on their own field. It won't be against Urbana. It'll be against a TBD team if that happens the way they want it to. It's been behind the scenes all along in in these discussions that we've known all along that at least in the last week, once the coach resigned, that you got an idea that maybe they weren't going to play after all. And I'm sure he knew. Yep, so they're going to uh, that that creates a domino effect around area football in terms of finding opponents, but that's unfortunate that Urbana just cannot stock a team. Yeah. So I'll do the JV thing again. Not enough seniors and juniors. They got sophomores and and now the question is, are they are going to have a JV team. They had a JV team last year. But will they stay with it next year to play varsity football? Mhm. Mhm. And lots going on in baseball. Cubs just win, just won, excuse me, over the Nationals 4-2. to two. They'll head over to Dyersville, Iowa for the Field of Dreams game tomorrow against Cincinnati. Cardinals tonight continuing their series in Colorado. After that seven-game winning streak, they had a big clunker last night. Although uh, the way Miles Michaelis would tell you, it, he wasn't hit particularly hard on all of it, but Kind of death by hits and two in a fraction, yeah, <laughs> and less than three innings. Death by a thousand cuts there from from the Rockies. Well, that, that's the kind of pitcher he is, though. Really, I mean, he does pitch the contact a lot, and sometimes the ball falls in. Johnny Cueto, another guy that's not striking out a ton, he'll be starting tonight for the White Sox against the Kansas City Royals, and that game will be here on DWS. Pre-game is at six thirty with Len and DJ. Had some football talk today as well. Seemed like a pretty positive vibe hearing Barry Lunny Jr., the offensive coordinator, although he didn't hold back on the aspect that he wanted to see the team get better on in in that uh, scrimmage in uh, 
tempo and communication with his team, and he's said he's emphasized with that. Now, tempo for him doesn't necessarily mean quicker. Tempo is a pace, but however, whatever pace they're going at, he wants it done effectively and efficiently. Well, he showed he could do it for Texas San Antonio. I hope he can do it for Illinois. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of uh, optimism around our coaches. I, I mean, in the sense that I think Illinois has got the best total staff they've had in a while. And I, I de- way better than what Levy brought in. I mean, way better. And I think it made a difference last year. And I think that uh, the, the the problem that I see right now, and, and it isn't uh, any news. I mean, you, you have bodies at every position, plenty of bodies. But do you have quality depth? In other words, when somebody goes down, how much do you lose when you bring in that next person? And we know that nobody defensively in particular these these people aren't going to play every play they're going to be out some of the time you got to have somebody come in that can hold up exactly and that's my concern football is not by nature a sport where you can expect everybody to play all 12 games yeah it's just a sport where you're going to be injured you, so riding that i just hope if we stay healthy we'll be fine is not a great strategy in the long run no it's 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 a hope <laughs> it's more hope than anything else. Yeah. You hope you stay healthy, but you just look around. I see Sam Hartman, the star quarterback for Wake Forest. I mean, he is a big star, and, and they're a good team. And um, maybe one of their best teams in a while. Now, that's a non-football condition. I did not uh-huh. see if there was any specificity to it. No, either. there wasn't. And we don't know how long it is, but it sounds like he's out for a while. Yep. I mean, just saying that you, you never know what's going to happen, uh, whether it's an injury or whether it's something else. You've also got COVID. You just never know what's going to happen. By the way, I was alerted today uh, to the issue brewing out there in USC about them starting a collective, and NIL collective, and that the school or the athletic department's not so excited about that because it may well be on the wrong side of whatever blurry line there is about <laughs> incentives and pay for play um and but lincoln riley may well accept it because they want to bring him some of the best players and well everybody has to do it and thousands you can't be the only one not doing it right and thousands of miles away ryan day is crying poor mm-hmm. if he doesn't get more money and can you, you imagine thirteen million? Is that what yeah, yeah, that's all. Just to run the team. Yeah, when, but with inflation, though, that's that's going to go up. You know, well, it's tough when one guy gets a million. <laughs> I mean, there went one. You need twelve million for the rest of the guys. <laughs> that's, just, that's just for the offense and special teams. Um, we, we're just in a different world. We're just in a different world, and it's hard to imagine Illinois coming close to keeping up with that amount of money. Oscar Tshibwe, who mm. would be one of the biggest money makers in America this year because of his situation at the University of Kentucky Star Center, probably player of the year this coming year, just a super center for Kentucky, can't get any NIL money in this country, so he's gone out of the country to do it. Yep, Bahamas, <laughs> I saw. Yeah. He's doing whatever he's doing in the Bahamas and uh, cashing some checks there. That's right. He's gonna do. He's gonna stay there as long as he can get money down there. It all worked out for him in the end, mm-hmm. there, didn't it? <laughs> Somebody worked it out for him. Oh my gosh. Oh man. 
So that is uh, some of what's going on. You can always join the program. You can text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Barry Lenny Jr., offensive coordinator for the Illinois football team as they had another practice in the books today. Here's some of what he had to tell us. A lot of good work today, just situational football, and uh, Coach does a great job with educating our guys and our staff about it. We got, we're embracing that, you know, uh, and spend a lot of time on camp here this next week on doing it, and there's some really good things to teach off of. And uh, today, I think, we, you know, we did a, one of the things that, that stuck out to me today, just offensively, it was like, you know, we were on, the quarterbacks were uncomfortable. And I don't mean that like... Uh, you know, like they're uncomfortable with what we were doing, but like, you know, we got some good blitz work. We got some, we had a couple of new schemes in today. So as you go into week two, you, 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 we stretch on mentally and, and we left. We're some really good things today, but we got, you know, we were uncomfortable today. That's a good thing as far as fall camp goes. So we're excited to, you know, be moving in towards, you know, whatever number of day it is, um, kind of lose track, but we're getting better every day. I mean, to make this a horse race thing, but which is progress of your top two quarterbacks at this point? Yeah, we're pouring a lot of the reps into those guys. I know you guys have been privy to that a little bit and seen that some. And uh, Ryan, Ryan Johnson's doing a really good job when his opportunity comes up. Um, you know, I think they're they're great. You know, they're great. The room is great for each other. We've talked at nauseum about, you know, a little bit about the room and how they get along and, you know, how they, they pull for each other, make each other better. And that's really just the truth. You know, it's not like that everywhere. And uh, we, got a, we got a unique bunch of guys that really truly, you know, care or invested about the other one's interest. Now they want theirs. You know, I mean, that's there's nothing wrong with that. You should want yours. You should want your opportunity. You should want to be the guy. But they don't let that get in the way of the relationship. And so Art and Tommy are certainly good for each other, good for our room, and are good for our team. Are you seeing any separation yet amongst your uh, wide receivers, especially? Man, we're playing a bunch of them. And man, I tell, there's a lot of plays. Be, you know, they've all made plays. They've all had their ups and downs, just like everybody in camp. But. I think, uh, you know, obviously Isaiah has been really steady and I don't want to get into the names, you know, because uh, each day has kind of been a different guy. And uh, I think we got a group there that's got some, you know, we got some depth at the, at the position. And, uh, you know, and so I think I think uh, we, we were certainly further along and continue to be further along than we were uh, day one of spring and day two of spring. And there's been a lot of positive signs from that group. Camp started that it was kind of a, a reset in terms of Ben Skull and learning the offense. Are there specific landmarks of progress you're looking for in the weeks leading up to the opener, and how is that different maybe in spring? Yeah, that's a fair question. There were some things we left on the table in the spring that you know were situational based that we didn't need, didn't get to. Uh, so, but for, for now, probably the primary amount of install to this degree, besides a spring, a wrinkle here, a wrinkle here, maybe a route combination here. Or, you know, our base core is pretty much in, but now it turns into situational football. So that always requires you to install some special components, whether it's, you know, the last play of the game or, you know, taking a knee or those types of things. So it kind of we're chipping away at that at a daily basis so we get game ready for every situation that might come about. What cool. are some of your biggest takeaways uh, execution-wise from the first scrimmage? Uh, we played clean, took care of the ball. Um, uh, uh, from an assignment standpoint, we, were, we weren't as detailed. We were a little bit sloppy, but the, the you know, the on the outer um, – you know, the outer part, um, on the outside looking in, you would say it was a pretty clean scrimmage. You know, there weren't a lot of penalties, and the ball wasn't on the ground, and, and you know, went through an interception. So that was a real positive, and we got to continue to take care of the ball. You always hear about the tempo. Were you pleased with the tempo? No, I wasn't. I, I, I wasn't really, to be honest with you. And the guys know that. That's not a secret. we got to press that. And and it's kind of to be expected, you know, in your first in your first scrimmage. And we're listening. We're not like, you know, that's the tempo, whether we're huddling or not huddling or 
you know, uh, whatever that is, the tempo just of the communication in between plays, it was a little slower than I would like. Uh, it wasn't terrible, but it's, it's been a point of emphasis for us this week. On tempo, how do you approach that idea of, I think everybody on a layman's thinks go, go, go fast all the time. What's your philosophy on tempo and how, how you want it to look? We want to control the tempo. That's really what it boils down to. Whatever that might be, you know, no huddle, huddle, speed break, you know, um, four minute, two minute. But we just want to dictate the pace. In order to do that, you got to execute, right? Because you got to stay on the field. No matter what tempo you're on and want to do, if you go three and out, you're not controlling the tempo. So it's about execution, and then and then me having the ability to change the tempos of the game. To me, that's that would be ideal for us, to be able to control the pace and just shift, mix that up. Changing the tempo, is that just as important as always just go, go, go? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For me, it is. I mean, some people are like, go, 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 go all the time. For me, it's, you know, I think there's a time and moment where maybe, you know, if you have somebody, you know, on their heels a little bit, maybe it's time to pour on more steam. And if they got you on your heels, maybe it's time to pour on more steam. Or it's really just kind of a feel thing. And I don't know, if, for me, if there's a perfect answer or formula for that as much as it is a feel during the game. There's Barry Lunny Jr., the offensive coordinator for Illinois football, relaying some of his thoughts today after a practice. Illinois will get another scrimmage in. I don't know when it will be precisely, but they're allowed to. And I think you would want it as far away from opening day as you can in case uh, you get nicked up in it, but you also want to give space from your last one. So I'm going to guess Leave this weekend or, or, or next or next Monday, early next Monday, Tuesday, yeah, something like that. Illinois is also going to have a media day on Saturday, a local media day, to get a chance to interact with more of the players and coaches uh, than we do in just the way it's kind of sprinkled throughout this training. Pat, camp. Pat Bryant was impressive today. I think he's going to make a, a hit. He and Hightower, I think, are the two receivers beyond Washington and, and Isaiah Williams, who seem to be. Uh, I think stepping up. Yeah, I think so. They've, they've. I, I've wondered if Kamari Thompson, because he's been around and mm-hmm. contributed a bit last year, would be in the mix. But we haven't heard his name very much. I, I think clearly Hightower has taken a step yeah. forward, and it's about time. Yeah, between he injury and everything here, else, I, I think we thought he was going to be a big factor last year, and I, it, he just basically disappeared. I think there was an injury involved, and and. Uh, from here on out, he, it, this is it for him. When we come back, we'll visit with Scott Dockerman over in Iowa City. His thoughts on the Iowa Hawkeyes and, of course, uh, this uh, media deal that is imminent as well. Stay with us. You've got Sports Talk. I'm Scott Beatty with Lauren Tate. And we're continuing our tour around the Big Ten of Illinois Big Ten opponents football-wise. Back into the West Division, we're headed to Iowa, Iowa City, where Scott Docterman covers the Hawkeyes as well as the Big Ten in general. And he's joining us now. Scott, are you going over to Dyersville for fun or for for work? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be working at it again. I did it last year as well. But yeah, so last year's game and atmosphere, I've been doing this a while, and it's probably as good as I've ever been any atmosphere I've ever been to for a sporting event. And then the game itself with Tim Anderson hitting that home run into the corn and circling the bases, it was 
it was magical. I don't say that very often when it comes to sports, but there really wasn't anything to compare. So I imagine with the Cubs and the Reds tomorrow, I don't know that we'll see anything close to that, but it still should be a fun time. The Cubs are the most popular team in, in this part of the state, so I, I would imagine that it'll be uh, well-attended and, and, and Cubby Blue. And maybe outside of a key Iowa Hawkeye or Iowa State uh, football game or a Cyhawk game, maybe that's the most significant professional sporting event to take place in Iowa. Yeah, it probably is. I would say that, uh, you know, other than, you know, probably those two schools, as you mentioned, um, you know, they have sometimes some IndyCar races, but they don't get really anywhere near the amount of feedback is something like this. And then, you know, last year's event was the first ever, first NLB game ever in the state of Iowa. So it had some, you know, it was, it was a cherished moment. And I think now, you know, feel the dreams is, you know, it's had a life of its own for a long time. Well, I, I want to throw in something. Have, have you been to a recent Purdue basketball game? <laughs> Man, you talk about atmosphere. I, I think they've, they're the best in the big 10 now. What do you think? Well, it's been a few years for me, but, uh, you know, from what I can recall, Mackey is one of the best. I mean, it is really, it, you know, I love the paint crew. I think they do a great job there, and um, it's it's been tremendous. I mean, Assembly Hall, you know, the State Farm Center, I thought it's been great at times. And, Purdue you know, has it, orchestrated it. I mean, they've got, the, they got everybody participating now, unlike anything I've ever seen. Just this last year was incredible. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. But that's another story. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, TV and let's talk about uh, money and what do you what do you see happening now with ESPN out of the picture? Well, you're going to see um, the Big Ten really be able to take advantage of this by spread, putting itself into three viewing windows every Saturday and, and on major linear networks and kicking off the day with big fox which is the primary rights holder then going to cbs the afternoon and and then nbc at night so you got three windows or that's really good for six teams and then uh you know after that you're still going to have your btn games your fs1 games uh, a streaming option and i'm not sure if that's that uh, from what i gather is going to be peacock uh which is part of the NBC umbrella. I don't know if that will be um, some sort of a, you know, where they'll simulcast it on on TV. I don't think they will, but even so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see a couple of the byproducts that haven't come out as to how many Friday games there will be, whether there will go all the way through the end of November with night football. I kind of think we will because games will be in California. And uh, so there's going to be a lot of exposure, a lot of really good games, and um, a lot of really good windows for uh, Big Ten football. Just to be clear with the new media rights deal, as far as you understand it, uh, if ESPN's out, that means no Big Ten program of any sport is on ESPN in a regular season. I'm not talking about postseasons where ESPN may have exclusive coverage like like a baseball tournament or something like that but uh we're not going to see uh, are we going to see men's and women's basketball matchups still on this is all one package right and then you either have some or you don't it sounds like that they're sticking with uh their part media partners for uh for the two packages that really matter or the ones that are sold and that's men's basketball and and, and football so yeah, it's it's going to be uh, you know they're going to use Fox, uh, FS1, CBS, 
and you might see more events on those networks. I could see CBS, which has carried some SEC basketball. You could probably expect to see more Big Ten basketball on CBS. Now, the one area I think I, I think is could be a little challenging is um, they had really good rated games on in the midweek. You know, Tuesdays and Thursdays on big on uh, ESPN. That's going to be tough to lose. But all all things told, uh, they got away from. ESPN. The ESPN is uh, when it solidified itself with the SEC. It, it left very few openings for the Big Ted here, and I think the Big Ted maximized the ones that were available. And obviously, two major networks decided that they wanted a, a piece of the Big Ten. Is, do you sense that this is more uh, two sides couldn't come to an agreement? Did the Big Ten just not want to stay with ESPN? Did ESPN not want to stay with the Big Ten? Is this a mutual no-fault divorce? What is this? I think it's more of a matter of that CBS and NBC really wanted to highlight the Big Ten. I mean, and and pay for it. I mean, the pay was all in the similar vein, and it appears that the Big Ten and uh, could have gotten the same amount of money. Uh, but, you know, you look at getting a primetime game on NBC and a, and a mid-afternoon game on CBS, That's those are bigger windows than what you'd get on ESPN and because ESPN and slash ABC has always had that, uh, you know, now has that affinity for the SEC so that, that they're under their umbrella entirely. So I don't know that it's necessarily a divorce or they couldn't come to agreement. It's just as I think the other networks actually had better um you know better pay and and probably better windows than what uh, espn could provide uh let's talk, I, I did you talk to swarwick lately uh, the athletic director at notre dame well he was on a kind of a conference call okay today. well i, I saw where you had, had, had commented about him and i just wondered um what is what does it mean for nbc uh it sounds like he thinks that NBC joining the Big Ten helps Notre Dame, but it doesn't mean that they're going to come in the Big Ten. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. There's really there, there are three things that he discussed as to what would make him take that jump to another league. I obviously the Big Ten, and and one is uh, is revenue actually, and and right now when you've got the combination of Notre Dame football and a Big Ten game airing afterwards. That he feels like it's mutually beneficial for for both uh, entities, and and he might not be wrong. Uh, but the fact is that when their deal ends in 2025, will NBA, NBC be able to put up, uh, you know, a relative number that's comparable to what Big Ten teams make? You know, which I think is north of 80 million dollars with this deal. And I don't know if that's going to be the case. So if you know that if they're at the 25 to 30, which is where they are right now from NBC per year, you know, that's going to force their hand. CFP access will be another one. And I think that one's probably going to be unencumbered. But, uh, you know, of course, um, when you start to look at uh, strength of schedule, I mean, how does their independent and ACC schedule look compared to what you got the Big Ten and the SEC? That's going to probably hurt them a little bit and then finally uh you know the olympic sports and their travel concerns that he mentioned uh the difficulties of of you know driving to midway airport then flying to tallahassee and in a lot of cases that they're on the road for a long period of time so those are the three areas he highlighted as far as what would tempt him to move well i i can see uh notre dame's problems with all those other sports uh, particularly after 
USC and UCLA come in, and plus you got Rutgers and Penn State and the other direction. I mean, they got a lot of nice programs close in the Big Ten, but they've also the future of the Big Ten is something else. I just uh, I just wonder how that do they feel like they're they're better off in the uh, ACC those other sports than the Big Ten. I don't think so. I, I think they probably would prefer. I mean, it, it would to me. Uh, I mean, whether you're talking baseball or whatever. I mean. I, it's just the travel is so much easier. You can hop on a bus and go to, in their case, they're located pretty much in the middle of everywhere. So mm-hmm. they could go wherever they wanted to go. Um, so to me, I think that one probably tilts heavily towards the Big Ten. You know, yeah, you're going to have to fly to some places, but, you know, I mean, for probably seven or eight or nine stops, you probably wouldn't have to. Uh, and so I, I think that one, you know, you could probably say points in the direction of the Big Ten. But but realistically, to me, the, the big one is going to be about revenue. It's, you know, what when they look around after this next the, the next um, agreement is reached and what Big Ten schools are going to get, and if Indiana and Purdue and Illinois and they're kind of in their neighborhood are reaching, a, you know, an $80, $85 million per year in revenue and they're getting 30 or 35 and NBC says, well, we just can't do any more. Then I could, I could see them saying, you know what, we're just too far behind and we're just going to continue to get behind and it's time to move on. But if uh, NBC ponies up, then I think, uh, you know, then, then maybe who knows what they'll do in the Olympic sports. But I think there's some, there, there are a lot of discussions ahead for Notre Dame. I just don't think they're going to make a decision today. Scott Docterman is with us from The Athletic. He also covers the Iowa Hawkeyes and wanted to touch base on what you're hearing out of Hawkeye camp so far. Of course, the big question, Scott, is will Iowa try to utilize a tight end this year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got a pretty good tight end. So uh, Sam Laporta, who's not that far from Champaign and still is, per- you know, his family was pretty upset when uh, – Lovey didn't give him a call, um, you know, and he ended up at Iowa, and he's probably the best tight end in the Big Ten. So I think with him and, and Luke Lachey, that is the strength of their offense right now. Uh, they've got some holes on offense, at, especially a wide receiver. They've had some, uh, you know, injuries, some departures. So that's going to be an area where I think you're going to see a lot of two tight ends. And then, then of course, the biggest question mark of all to me is what's going to happen at quarterback. Uh, Spencer Petras is right now, you know, he's the starter. He would start if they had a game on on Saturday, but uh, he's got to improve. That, that passing game has to improve. And if it can, then they've got a chance to defend their crown. If not, you know, I think they're probably headed towards a mid-level bowl game. Well, the schedule, they they have to go to Ohio State. Uh, You have to go to Purdue, which is never the easiest trip in the world. But, um, you you know, they they do draw have some favorable draws at getting Wisconsin and Nebraska and uh, Michigan earlier at home. Plus, uh, Cyhawk is in Iowa City as well. So I, I would think on the balance, this is a favorable schedule. Yeah, it's unusual that they get Michigan and Ohio State in the same year. They haven't had Ohio State. Uh, they've only played Ohio State once since uh, 2013, and that's and, and that's the last time they were actually in Columbus. So it's been so long. Uh, but, you know, I, I think getting Michigan at home, they've had good success against the Wolverines in Iowa City. Last time they lost to, to Michigan at home was 2005. 
So and that was an overtime loss at that. So I think they feel pretty good about their chances there, even though they were obliterated in that championship game. I think it's two different, uh, you know, environments, what have you. Uh, going to Columbus won't be easy. I mean, you can. I would be. I'm not going to predict any kind of victory there. Nobody would if they're smart. But but I do think that uh, they they've got an opportunity against teams that they match up with, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, in their style of play that I think they can compete. It's just going to be, can they do a couple of things on offense to, to make it a, a you know, to, to stretch the score? Cause defensively, they're going to be one of the best, if not the best team in the big 10, when it comes to that side of the ball. You think they would forget about Illinois since they're between Michigan and Ohio state on the schedule? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, that, that's, going to be a trip that they'll 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 pay attention to i mean it, it they've got a buy after illinois well too. of course yeah. they, they have to have a buy after <laughs> illinois yeah <laughs> be roughed it's up so much big, big physical game you know you bet with uh with brett bielema and and uh who knows you know maybe that'll be a night game for for old btn you know that will be on the 12-day window so uh that would be kind of interesting if that was the case what uh, what do you see about the defense this year? I mean, is it actually going to be better than it was last year? Yeah, I think so. If uh, it, when you look at linebacker, this is probably the best trio of linebackers they've ever had. Jack Campbell might actually be the best linebacker they've had. And they've had some really good ones, some All-Americans like Josie Jewell. But Jack Campbell's a difference maker. He's 6'5", 250, can still run, you know, 4'4", 4'5", really long, athletic big strike abilities. He had it pick six last year against the Illini. And then they've got two other linebackers that flank him that are really good too. And Seth Benson and Justin Jacobs. And last year, their big question mark was up front. They had lost three starters, including two first team all big 10 guys. And it took them a little bit of time, but, but they actually performed pretty well. Still ended up with 30 plus sacks and, and now they're as deep as they've ever been. And they've got, um, you know, one guy I think in particular is going to have a breakout year in, in Lucas Van Ness. And then finally, the secondary, which was so lethal last year, led the nation in, in takeaways or in, in interceptions. It's uh, It's got a couple pieces it's missing, but they had some injuries. And it actually allowed them to bring in some players to, to that did pretty well. I mean, like Jamari Harris was... The, the second backup to the backup to the backup last year at cornerback and then by the end of the year he ends up with four interceptions so they've got some good pieces back there so this defense to me is is set up really nicely to to continue and actually be better than what they've had last year and it's just it, again it's going to come down to can offense do anything with the ball you know passing game wise and if it can't, um, it's going to be in a lot of close games. And this time around, they don't have an experienced kicker. So that may that may cost them because they've had some big games. Uh, you know, the last three years, they've had five games where they kicked four field goals and they won all five. So they need to, they're going to need some uh, kicker to step up too. Hey, big deal, uh, Scott, when you have uh, sell out all your game. All seven games are sold out, right? Home? Yeah. First time they've done that in the, in the summer since 2011. But, you know, this is a great home schedule. You guys mentioned it. Iowa State is always sold out. Um, you know, you've got Wisconsin, Michigan, Nebraska at the end. Um, but even, you know, the other three, you know, Northwestern's their homecoming game, so it was sold out. Mm-hmm. Nevada, which normally would get overlooked, but it's a night game at Kinnick, which has a different atmosphere. And then finally, the opener is against South Dakota State. And, and that's a that's a fan base that travels pretty well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, they're going to be they're all sold out, uh, you know, more than a month before the first game. It was pretty wild. 
Well, Scott, there's a lot uh, to be keeping track of here, even though we haven't had games starting up, especially with this media deal. We appreciate you joining us, as you're always generous with your time, sir, and we'll be talking again sometime down the line. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, Scott. Scott Docterman writes for The Athletic, one of the best at covering the entirety of the Big Ten Conference, as well as the Iowa Hawkeyes. You can follow him on Twitter, Scott Docterman. Lauren and I have more for you here in the first hour of Sports Talk. Coming up. Lauren, did you stay up last night for the 13 innings? certainly did not. <laughs> 13 innings, Seattle and the Yankees. I didn't get there until it was, I think it was 12 to nothing when I got home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about uh, uh, the, the 13 inning game between Seattle oh, and the Yankees. Oh, no, I thought you were talking about the Cardinal game. Oh, yeah, well, no, that was kind of over quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, are, are well, I'll start there. Are you, are you okay after the... Seven-game winning streak. They oh come? yeah, well you, you know you're going to have this. Baseball's a crazy game. They had a nice little run there, but against the Cubs and, and the Yankees, when you know big games for the Cardinals. But well, I, I was down. Uh, I went to Philo to see uh, a little country music, and uh, uh, Marvin Lee was singing well, along with his group. And then uh, by the time I got home, the the game was out of hand, so I didn't I didn't pay much attention to the Cardinal game. Nor did I I followed the uh, the Yankee game uh, on ESPN later, and they 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 took us through every inning. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, at the end. The oh ninth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth inning. Well, the Yankees base running was unbelievable. Bad. Unbelievably bad, but it was a really good game—a one well, nothing, yeah. thirteen inning oh, yeah. game. Yeah, I it, and it we just don't do that anymore, do we? <laughs> no, I'm beginning to think well, you got to start with a man on second, bunting the third. <laughs> He's getting get him over there where he can score on a fly ball or a ground ball or something. But you know, but uh, everybody tries to hit. Of course, I mean, it's I'm sure the the odds are favor hitting, but sometimes you just wonder if you need to do something different. I'm I I see a lot of left hand hitters at the plate. Repeatedly, with room to lay the ball down, with a with a third baseman at the shortstop position, even before there's two strikes, I don't expect them to do it with two strikes. But boy, I, I just I think you ought to, lay, particularly with a man on first, lay the ball down. I mean, it's a it's a sure hit if you get it down. Mm-hmm. Nobody's doing it. Almost nobody. And nobody's getting paid to do it. I think that's part that's of it. That's right. You're not getting paid to hit bunts. We will come back with a little bit more and transition to hour number two. It's a Wednesday edition of Sports Talk. Tomorrow we'll get some chatter with Scott Ritchie as we try to have maximum Scots uh, on the program. Just It's always better when you have a Scott on the show. Evan Kahn's in next hour. We're going to talk to Katie Wu about the St. Louis Cardinals. Colin Likas about uh, preps. As well. By the way, Field of Dreams game, no game next year out there. Oh, really? The Big Hurt himself, Frank Thomas, announced that today. He's part of the well because they're doing so much construction. They're building a whole complex, kind of like what they have in Rantoul for softball and baseball tournaments. What what happened to all those cornfields? Well, people are coming, Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good sir. Anything else on your mind here? Quick question for you. Okay. 
Fisher bunnies, Urbana tigers, no football. Is this something that's starting to happen as it was predicted 10 years ago with all the concussion discussions and, and maybe parents not wanting their children to play football? I mean, it's not, I know that many schools are going as strong as ever, but we're seeing the drop. We're seeing things that we never saw before. I'd imagine that's a contrib- contribution. It's an expensive sport to play to, and uh, there's just not a pipeline in some some of these towns for it. Um, but I, I think you're right. I don't think it's as inv- inviting to play in some people's minds because oh, of the concussion. Well, the families are, I mean, families are, lots, lots, I, I just heard of, you know, players that uh, are playing because, against the wishes of their families. I know that, and I know that happens, but oh, sure. nevertheless, uh, if you start your young man off in soccer and keep him in soccer, maybe he'll stick with soccer. Yeah, and Urbana is a little more of a soccer town. It sure is. They've got a good soccer program. So I think it's partly tradition yep. and getting a pipeline, and then you layer on safety concerns. And I'm not here to say you shouldn't play football. I'm just saying that is a concern for some par- some parents. All right, sir. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay. That's Lauren Tate, Evan Kahn, and coming in after the news break, and we'll have plenty more here. On Newstalk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Champaign Multimedia Group Station, 5 o'clock.